Maybe our next guest is celebrating Mardi Gras. He knows a thing or two about wearing flashy garments, not maybe beads, and that would be state rep Antonio Parkinson joining the morning show. Welcome back. How are you? Thank, thank you, man. I'm over here cracking up about the, the beads and the flashy garments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I asked you that, Wayne. I saw you at the big presser, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, and you've right. got all of the politicians the Republicans, the Democrats, they're all wearing, you know, black ties, black suits, and then there's you. And naturally... Looking like a dick. Uh, Looking like a bunch of politicians, right? <laughs> acting like a lot of politicians. And there you are. You've got the cool hat on. You've got the cool suit on. And I ask you, has that always been the case? He said, um, uh, give or take. Right, right. You know, the thing is, is, is about being authentically who you are, right? And, you know, because, you know, I have that pin on my lapel... It, it, it doesn't change who I am. I'm still the same person that I was before I was elected, and I have to make sure that I remind myself of that, you know, every day. I am curious. So the state of the state just happened. We haven't talked mm-hmm. since then. What do you make of it? How do you view the state? Are we healthy? Are we sick? In your assessment, um, give us your state of the state. You know, we get we got this kind of bipolar state, right, of the state, right? Is mm-hmm. you know, on one hand they're saying we're we're extremely healthy, but on the other hand they're saying we ain't got no money, right? And so, and and that they're they're cutting back on everything. But you know, it, it, it's interesting. You know, I'm I'm I, I I look at you know this whole um, you know uh, transfer of tax dollars back to some of the wealthiest companies you know, in our state that are getting getting this money back from the change in the franchise and excise tax that's being that's that's coming down the pike. Uh I also look at, you know, uh, the whole idea of vouchers, um, you know, for you know, taking the public money from education and giving it to the private schools, you know, and, and, and those things concern me. Some of the things, you know, that the governor, you know, spoke about you know, I'm okay with. I don't I'm you know, I call it like it is regardless of what wh- who the messenger is. You know, mm-hmm. if it's good news, it's good news. If it's sketchy news, it's sketchy news, regardless of whether you're Republican or Democrat. I can imagine you're not the biggest proponent of Mark White's proposal that would, and it's not written up yet, but basically he joined the show on Friday. It would fork over some authority to Governor Bill Lee to the state to add extra board seats into the largest school district in Tennessee. It would be, along with the current nine, they would add six more. What was your response to that? You know, I, I actually uh, went and spoke directly to uh, Chairman White about that, and his words to me was that he was not going to run that legislation. And and he also mentioned that he had drafted that legislation before, but he was a little bit disappointed in the process mm-hmm. of how, you know, the superintendent search was going at the time. You know, now we got a new superintendent, you know, but he, he said he wasn't going to run that legislation. And I thought it was a bad idea, you know, because uh, one of the things that I did mention to him is that, you know, we're it gets no more dysfunctional than we are up here in, in, in Tennessee House. Right. And we would never, ever want President Biden to add 30 members, you know, uh, to the Tennessee House, you know, because of our dysfunction. You know, sometimes you have to get out of the way. You have to let people work through the process or let these bodies work through the process deliberatively, just like we do. You know, it, it, we don't always get the outcome that we want, but we work through the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask you about what we saw on Sunday? Just more violence. You saw the story. Mm-hmm. We've shared it with our audience throughout the morning show, so I'm not going to get into details. But mm-hmm. it's very clear that the state 
say they have answers, and it comes up against sometimes the city's answers and solution mm-hmm. to crime. Is there any way that we can meet and there will be some form of compromise to prevent what we saw on Sunday, which is preventable, especially when you realize the kid had been in and out of our jail system and it resulted in loss of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I think so. Uh, you know, but you also have to have to remember, too, you know, the state of the state that we're in, you know, my constituents and, 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 and you know, people close to me, you know, they're scared, honestly. And that's, that's just the honest truth. And, you know, this this is one of those things that you can't sugarcoat, you can't gloss over. People are scared. And, you know, it's important for us to, to get this thing right so that people can live a decent quality of life in our city. We have a beautiful city. We have We have so much to offer, but we have to get a grip on, you know, those individuals that are out there committing these violent crimes. And, and, and like I tell you, say, you know, if you really look at it on the aggregate level, uh, you know, we have what 700 some thousand people, so to speak in the city, city of Memphis and, you know, and, and more in the, in the outer lying areas. And, but you got a very, very small percentage of people that's committing the same crimes. I think uh, we had um, Chief C.J. Davis on our podcast, and one of the things she said was there's less than 20% of people that are committing 80% of the crimes. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, and so that's a small group that's making the most noise. But here's something interesting I want you to think about. Everybody was watching the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So the media wasn't giving that individual the huge voice that they normally give people that commit crimes. Yeah, we were getting the, the text notifications and and knowing we were knowing that this thing was going on. But if there's, if there's, if you can do that and not amplify the voice or the image of this uh, individual that's out here doing this damage, and he was doing some horrendous stuff, then you can slow that that drip down of those negative uh, uh, messages that we get all day, every day in the media. And I think that's vitally important to the psyche of the citizens of Memphis, too. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of, I mean, Fox News literally has camera crews on Beale Street this morning interviewing people about the crime problem. So again, we're back in the headlines, not for a good reason. Mm -hmm. Right, you're absolutely right. But there's a way, there is a way, and it's going to take us, you know, it's going to take us, you know, having conversations in truth, Right. Not sugarcoating and not being partisan when it comes to the crime in Memphis, because, like I said, at the press conference, at the end of the day, those victims of crime don't give two shit. Leave it there. We appreciate you joining the show this morning. By the way, you can check out. He mentioned the podcast, the Antonio Parkinson Project. Didn't realize you were in the broadcast lane as well. But I thought I'd plug that for you. Thanks for dropping by and always good hearing from the other side. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. All right. Good stuff.